you for the opportunity that we have to come together as a body of believers and to worship together. And thank you that you do lead us, that um, through your word, by your Holy Spirit, that you promise that you'll lead us into the truth and that you will provide everything that we need as we face life. And uh, I thank you for the opportunity this morning that we have to open the word of God. And as we look at this book, uh, Jude, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes and our hearts and that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us in our faith, and that we would be better able to serve you because of what we learn here today from your word. I pray that whatever distractions that would cause us from hearing from you or that would stop your spirit from speaking to us, that you would draw those to our attention and help us to deal with those early, and that we would be yielded in our spirits to your spirit this morning and your word. In your name we pray, amen. I want to say thank you to those who were part of our trunk or treat last week, uh, last uh, Sunday evening. Um, I think a lot of us who took part in that were a little shocked uh, at the amount of uh, individuals who ended up coming our way. Uh, I believe at somewhere between 750 and 800 kids ended up being here. And so with parents, you were looking at probably 1,400 people. Um, so it was an event uh, that, that was pretty wild, um, but a lot of fun. We had a good time, uh, all of us. And so I know that the, the people who planned that were looking at next year saying, hey, we can do that next year, and uh, we'll figure out a way that we can involve even more folks from our church as part of that as well. Uh, but thank you to everybody who took part in that. That was a great little event um, here in the parking lot. It was kind of, and it was a great night. It was beautiful. I, I always come with, uh, I hate getting cold. So I had layers. I was all ready and didn't need any of them. It was beautiful uh, that, that evening. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to be looking at the book of Jude. Uh, the verses that we're going to look at today will be on the screen. But uh, we are wrapping uh, the one message from every book of the Bible up rapidly. Uh, Tom is going to wrap up the book of Revelation next week. And um, so I get to look at this uh, great little book called Jude. Um, we did a study in Jude when we were in Bible school. And uh, it, it actually, I, I hate to say this, but um, it put a bad taste in my mouth of the book of Jude. And I, for a, a, a while, just because of how it was, how it happened, how the book happened, and uh, I think really what did it was the final exam, um, because we couldn't guess what was going to be on the final exam. It didn't really work out the way we did the book, and, uh, and I think that's what did it. But this book has a lot of very good and very useful uh, pieces of truth, or truth that comes from God, that he wants to say to us about the days that we're living in. And uh, this book was written by Jude, who was a half-brother of Jesus, and who was a full brother of James. And Jude doesn't really say much about his relationship to Jesus, and there are, there's speculation. There's, there's those who think that uh, Jude may have really trusted Christ after um, he was, went to the cross. We, we don't know that. Um, but they also speculate that he just had such a high view of who Jesus was that he didn't feel like he related well 
to his half-brother in terms of that he, he, he didn't deserve that honor. Um, we don't know any of that. All we know is that he wrote this book, and it's an important book uh, for us to study about the day and age that we're living. And actually, when Jude wrote this book, that's what he was doing. He was looking ahead at some things that were going to happen. And he wants to tell kind of a, a warning about, look out, because there are those who are going to, and I, I, for a title, I said a slow creep. And the reason I use that title is because what Jude is going to talk about is this, those who have a taste of the truth, or maybe they even know the truth, who begin to slip away, and they begin to creep away from truth. Or those who have been exposed to the truth, and they start, and they go, man, this truth is really good, but I don't know if I really like it that much, and so I'm going to do something different than that truth, and I'll create my own truth. And Mike and I have talked over the past weeks and months about, you know, know what's good for you. That's what our culture is saying today. Know your own truth. Well, that's really what Jude is going to refer to, is those who look at what God has to say, and then they say, but, but I know my own truth, and I'm going to follow my own truth. And it can happen in churches. It has over the centuries, over the day. It's happened where churches who started out following God, following Christ, honoring Christ, honoring the Word of God, began this slow creep of saying, no, I know better than what God says, and I'm going to do life my own way, and I'm going to do things my own way, and I'm not going to listen to what God says. I'll listen to part of it. I'll, I'll take the parts that I like. But the rest of them, I'm going to leave those alone, and I'm not going to bother focusing on those or thinking about those. And that causes a problem, and what happens is we begin to creep away from the truth. And all of a sudden, the things that we say we believe aren't really the things that God is talking about at all. And that's what's going on here. And it's, it's, it's an interesting book in that it contrasts, if you read Second Peter, these two books were written in a very... Uh, very close together because they play off each other. And so if you go back and read Second Peter and read Jude, you'll find that a lot of what they're talking about, they go together very well. This book was written somewhere between 60 and 80 AD. And those two authors kind of work to get together, but the two books, kind of the information in the books play off each other. The little book that we're, it's a warning of a great apostasy that, that's coming. An apostasy is abandonment, an abandonment of the truth. Walking away from what you know is right. That's an apostasy. It's saying, look, I understand and I've come to a place where I know what the truth is, but I'm going to walk away. I'm, I'm going to make my own decisions and do my own thing. You don't have to raise your hand up, but have you ever been at that place? Where you knew what was right? excuse me, you knew the truth. And you can probably picture it in your mind, you sitting at that point or standing at that point or being at that point with someone else in a relationship or whatever it is that you knew what the truth was and in your mind you consciously knew and understood what the truth was and you made a decision. <coughs> excuse me. And your decision was, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go my own way. We've all been there. If you're a Christ follower, we've been there. I've got one of those. Can somebody grab me a bottle of water, please, from out at the 
uh, that, that would be awesome and helpful if, if that could happen. I'd, <coughs> I'd appreciate it. So an apostasy is knowing the truth and abandoning it, walking away from it. These false teachers who make that decision, it's not like it's just one or two people in the church who all of a sudden make a decision they're going to walk away from the truth. What Jude is going to talk about is this, that there are teachers who come in to the church and they creep in slowly. They start out by teaching the truth and doing a great job at teaching the truth. And people are excited by what they're hearing from the truth. And then all of a sudden, they start walking away from the truth. And they start teaching their own thing, their own way, doing their own thing. And teaching a group of people, thanks Tom, I appreciate it, start, start teaching the, their, the way they view truth instead of what God has to say about truth. I'm going to put that right there, because if I don't, I'll knock it over, and it'll be all over the place, and then I won't have it. And that's what Jude is talking about. There are people within the church who start walking away and doing their own thing, but then there are teachers who start doing the same thing within the church. Now, I don't want you to think too long about it, but I want you to think in your mind for a minute. Don't shout anything out. Have you ever known anyone who started out in the truth? And creeped away, crept away. Have you ever had a teacher that you love to listen to? And as you listened to them, they were teaching the truth, teaching the truth, and then all of a sudden, they just started to slow to draw away from the truth. I have. I have. There's some folks that I, I enjoy reading, I've enjoyed listening to them, and as I've done it, I've watched, and they just... Choose their own parts of truth and leave the rest alone. Well, that's what Jude is going to talk about. He starts the, the, this book off in a very interesting way. Let me read this to you. Jude chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. He says this. Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share. Stop there for a minute. Jude really didn't want to write about apostasy. He didn't want to write about people creeping away from the truth. That's not what he wanted to write about. He wanted to write about salvation. I get it, by the way. I understand. If I had my choice, you know what I would love to teach every time I get up to teach? I would love to teach how we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you've listened to me very long, if you've been around for uh, 18 years, if you've been with us very long, you'll notice this about what I teach. Almost every time I teach, at some point, I come back to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Salvation. Redemption. New life in Christ. A new creation in Christ. The old has been removed, and I'm brand new in Jesus Christ. I have been redeemed. I have been made new by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for me for you. And that's what Jude says. He says, look, what I'd really like to do is I'd love to spend my time and my energy talking to you about being saved, about being in Christ, about a relationship with Christ. I would love to spend all of my book, all the time writing about what happened when I came to know Jesus Christ. Think of this. It was his half-brother. And when he came to understand that 
oh, Jesus Christ, he wasn't just a good teacher. He was God himself living in human form on this earth. He lived without sin. He walked beside me. I saw him do it with my own eyes. I lived in the same house. I was his half-brother. I was in the same house with him. And he was really, really who he said he was. And Jude says, that's what I really want to talk about. And folks, that's my heart. I want to talk to you all the time about this is the change that Jesus Christ has made in me since I've started a relationship with Christ a long time ago now, a lot of years ago. He's changed me and he keeps changing me over and over and over again. And he keeps making me more like his son, Jesus Christ. He, by his spirit, he molds me and fashions me into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what I love to talk about. And that's what Jude says when he starts. I really want to talk to you about my salvation. Are you excited about your salvation? Notify your face. Yeah. And then Jude goes on and he says... I found it necessary, though, to write, appealing you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once and for all. Stop for just a minute. Contend for the faith. He says this, I wanted to tell you about salvation, and, and, and if you're in the faith, then you understand what it means to be redeemed by Jesus Christ. But I can't go there. I can't spend my time there. Instead, I need to talk to you about struggling and fighting for your faith. That's what I need to talk to you about. I need to talk to you about the fact that this is not easy. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ is not easy. Coming to know Jesus Christ doesn't mean that now I live on easy street and everything that happens in my life is going to be so awesome all the time. That's not true. And Jude says, now what I need to talk to you about is I need to talk to you about fighting for your faith and that you've got to fight for your faith every day. What's that mean? What's it mean to fight for your faith? It means this, folks. It means that every day you get up, you have to decide that I am going to put Christ first in my life, not me. I'm going to spend my time and my energy living for Christ, not for me. I'm going to allow the Word of God to dwell richly inside of me so that when people bump into me, they don't get spilled by Tim. They get spilled by Christ, the Holy Spirit. Because that is who is living and that is who has control of me. That's what it means to contend, to fight for your faith. That's what it means. It means to put that truth so deep down in you that it becomes every fiber of your being is truth. That's what it means. And he says this, I wanted to talk to you just about your salvation, but instead I got to talk to you about contending, struggling, fighting for your faith and in your faith. And he keeps going. For some people who were, who were designated for, the, for, the, for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth or they've crept in. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ our only Master and Lord. He said there are people who are creeping into the church and if you're not fighting for your faith, if you're not contending for your faith, these people are going to sneak in, they're going to creep in, and they're going to draw you away from what is true. They're going to pull you away from the truth. There are some who have snuck in and they're denying the very person of Jesus Christ. Oh, 
You can live your own way. You can do it your own way. You can, you, can, you can follow your truth, and God, because he's a God of love, he will love you anyway. Don't worry about it. That's what he's talking about. And he said, in reality, they're pulling you away from the truth. And then Jude spends the next section of, of verses here, and if you take time to read them, you'll see that they're from the Old Testament. It's people who were drawn away from the truth and the judgment that God put on them because they decided to live their own truth and not God's truth. And he judged them severely. And it's, it's actually a warning and kind of like a catch your breath for a minute when, he, when you read it. Because God severely judged these people for walking away, creeping away from the truth, knowing the truth and deciding not to live it. But what I want you to see this morning is this. I want you to see the description of the people who are creeping into the church and what they're offering the church, what they're offering people within the church. I called this the creepers, okay? Because it gave me, when I was reading it, I had this picture of these people kind of dressed in dark. Now, they're not this way. This is just the picture I had in my mind when I was reading, okay? Don't, don't put this on this. But I had this picture of these people who are dressed in hoods and, 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 and they're creeping in kind of stealthily and, and trying to sneak in and get in places where they shouldn't be. That was the picture. But really, the picture isn't that at all. The picture actually is, is people who look really good on the outside, but their heart is dark. And evil. They look like they have it all together. They look like they have all the right answers. They look like and they sound like on the outside that they're the people you should turn to. That's what they look like. But in reality, their heart is far from God. And so I called them the creepers. Here you are. We're going to read these couple of verses. It's in Jude chapter 1. Of course, there's only one chapter, verses 12 to 16. You ready for this? I'm going to try to read. I'm struggling here as I read. Um, so just bear with me. These people are dangerous reefs at your love feasts as they eat with you without reverence. Catch that? They come in. They're part. They're going to sit down and they're going to have a meal with you but their heart isn't in it. Keep going. They are shepherds who, who only look after themselves. In other words, the picture is here, a shepherd who's supposed to care for his sheep. He's supposed to feed the sheep. He's supposed to lead the sheep to water. He's supposed to protect the sheep from, from outside evil that's coming in. And instead, that shepherd is only filling his own belly. That's what he's doing. He's looking after his own self. Everything that he does is for himself. That's it. They don't look after themselves. They are waterless clouds carried along by winds, trees in the late autumn, fruitless, twice dead and uprooted. In other words, he says this, look, the very things, those clouds that are supposed to give life and are supposed to bring water, are supposed to nourish the roots and bring, and bring healing and, and life to the soul of the plant, that cloud goes by and offers nothing. And because of it, that tree that's supposed to be sucking up the water and the nutrients and taking that all in and producing fruit comes to the end of the autumn when you should be out harvesting the fruit and it's barren. There's nothing on it. Why? Because the ones who are offering the truth are taking you away from it. The, they're not bringing nourishment to your soul and your heart and your life. They're actually taking you away from it. That's what he's saying. That's the picture he's, he's painting here. 
twice dead and uprooted. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shameful deeds, wandering stars for whom the blackness of darkness is reserved forever. See this picture here? He says, look, he says, look, there are things that will ruin you. The blackness of them, the depth of the the dark that is in them will pull you away and ruin you. That's what he's saying. It's a horrible picture. It was about these that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, look, the Lord comes with tens of thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly concerning all the ungodly acts that they have done in all the ungodly way. And concerning all the harsh things ungodly sinners have said against him, these people are discontented, grumblers, living according to their own desires, their mouths utter arrogant words, flattering people for their own advantage. You see what he's saying? This is like, he goes, I wanted to talk about salvation. That's a good thing. That's cheery. It's, it's, it's wonderful. The, the love of Jesus Christ coming in your soul and redeeming you. But I got to warn you, there are those who will come into your midst, who will try to teach you, who will live in your midst, whose hearts are dark and will pull you away from the truth and they will lead you down a path that will lead you to destruction. That's what he's saying. They will offer you something, but really it's empty. There's nothing in it. There's no nourishment. There's no ability for you to grow. There's no ability for you to produce fruit. And know this. In Galatians, we were told, look, if you are in Christ, then the fruit of the Spirit will abide in you. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, goodness, right? All of those things. Look, if you are in Christ, then you will be nourished. You will grow up and you will produce fruit. And these who will come in will cause you to dry up. And I love the end of this verse because he makes it so simple. He says, look, they're discontent. They're grumblers. They're critical by nature. Know anybody like that? Don't. Don't say anything. Don't bump anybody. When we begin to live our own selfish way, our own selfish life, that's what takes over, folks. A discontented, grumbly spirit. When the Spirit of God and we're saved and redeemed through Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God lives in us, the joy of the Lord overwhelms our souls. And no matter what we face when we're bumped, it's the joy of the Lord that spills out. And Jude warns these people and he says, look, there are those who are going to try to sneak in among you and they're going to try to pull you away from the truth. And and when they do, you're going to see it in them because they're going to suck the very life out of you instead of offer you life. Is that happening to you? They show signs of being helpful but offer nothing. They come alongside you to help you out, but instead they take from you. And they are selfish, and they are out for their own good, 
and they look out for themselves and not for God's body. Well, how are we supposed to respond to these people? What are we supposed to do? Well, Jude doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't just say, hey, there are those that are out there and we have to look out. That's not what he says. He tells us how to respond. Let me show you in verses 17 to 23. He says it this way. But you, dear friends. He was contrasting, right? Those, the creepers. Those that were creeping in. Those that were pulling the church apart. He says, but you, dear friends, those of you who are in Christ, remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you, in the end times, there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are worldly, not having the Spirit. But you, dear friends, here it is again. Listen, see this. As you build yourselves up, in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on on others, but with fear. This is an interesting phrase. We're going to get to it in a minute. Hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. Did you notice? He gives us five responses that we should have as Christ followers. Five responses found in this little passage. But you notice this? Jude doesn't start this out and say, Dear brothers and sisters, dear friends, here's what you've got to do when those creepers show up in the church, when those who begin to teach false things, run, hide, Put your head in the sand, go find a thousand acres, build a camp in the middle of it, and, and, and put a great big fence around the whole thing, and hide there until God comes. It's not what he says. Sometimes we wish that's what he said, right? Some of you have told me that. I may have said that a time or two. But it's not what Jude says. Jude gives us five responses, and all five of those responses, they really start in the heart, and they have to do with how we're growing in Christ. Notice them with me, if you will. We'll move through them quickly. Response number one is, remember the word. Remember the truths that you've been taught. I was thinking about this. We're doing a study in John right now in my small group, and one of the questions was talking about how we came to faith, how we uh, at the point that we understood that we needed a Savior and, and, and how we personally came to faith. And I was thinking about how I came to faith. And I came to faith through my family, through my, my parents and my family, really. In that, this is what happened. Since I was, the first week I was born, I was at church. Okay? And I don't think I ever missed. Maybe once or twice. But from when I can remember the smallest of age, I was taught little memory verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I remember learning that in a song when I was a little guy. And I remember sitting, we had a floor heater in our house. And I remember sitting, it was a big floor heater. And I would go over and I learned how to turn that sucker up. And I'd turn that up, and I'd sit right in the middle of it, because I love that heat just in the winter. And I would sit there, and I would quote little memory verses, and I would sing little Bible songs that my mom and my dad had taught me. 
And it wasn't very long in my life that I understood that I needed Jesus Christ as my own Savior. And so at the age of five, by my father's desk, I asked my dad what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I started a personal relationship with Christ. But I came to Christ from the Word of God and the songs of God that were taught to me by my parents and praying together as a family. We had devotions every evening as a family. And I was drawn to God through that testimony of my family and the testimony of the Word of God. Jude starts out and he says this, Remember the Word that you've been taught. And I thought of these verses in James when I was thinking about that, that we're drawn away often from what we know. Listen to these words in, in, in James. He says this, No one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil. But he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person, now catch this, this is what I was getting at. Each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. And what, what the author, what James is saying there is this, look, when we allow evil, when we allow something that is tempting us to reside within our heart, it will slowly, and that's what this whole thing of Jude is, it will slowly draw us away from truth. And when we are drawn away, we are enticed because we think about it. And as we're enticed by it, we begin to give into it. Why? Because we, we're not remembering the truth that was set in our hearts. We're being pulled away from it. We're being drawn away. That happened to you? You're not remembering the truth that you were taught? Satan's really good at that, by the way, at drawing us away. So Jude says, number one, your first response, remember the truth. Response number two, he says this, build yourself up in the faith. In other words, get into the Word of God. And Mike and I, we tell you this all the time. Get into the Word of God for yourself. The idea here is a a steady diet of the Word of God. A constant diet of the Word of God. It's so simple, folks. It's on your phone. It's it's on your TV. It's it's everywhere. You can read it. You you still can read it. I mean, it's there. (laughs) But a steady diet of the Word of God. So remember what you were taught about the Word of God, but then build yourself up. Get into the Word of God for yourself. Study it for yourself. The promise that we've been given from the Word of God is this, that... God will provide everything that we need through His Word, by His Spirit, so that we can grow up into Him. Get into the Word for yourself. Number three, praying in the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us this, pray without ceasing. And Jude looks at it and he says, look, you should have an ongoing conversation with God all the time. You don't want to creep away from the truth? Then keep talking to God because He'll keep you in the truth. And part of our problem is, is one of the reasons that we're drawn away is because we're not reading the Bible for ourselves. The Word of God is not getting into our heart. And we're not having a conversation with the Holy Spirit all the time. And when we're talking to people, we should be asking God this. Look, God, in this conversation, is this truth or is this me? God, in my response to these people that I'm dealing with, is this truth or is this me? God, this show that I'm watching, should I be watching? Should I be putting this in my heart and my life, or should I not? 
God wants to be part of all. That's what he's talking about. Praying and having a conversation in the Spirit of God all the time. Number four, wait with expectation on the Lord. Wait each day for God in your life. Wait for his mercy. The picture here that he's giving in Jude is this. It's a little child waiting for Christmas morning. That's the anticipation that he's talking about. Hey, when you woke up this morning, was that your anticipation in waiting for God? Was Christmas morning, oh God, I can't wait for you to show up. I can't wait to rip the package open and see what's in it. That's what Jude says. Wait expectantly on God. God will, he wants to, he will because of his very nature, he will be in your life, he will do something amazing today in your life if you're waiting for him. You just may not see it. Are you waiting expectantly on God? Number five, have mercy on those who are trapped in sin. That's our our response. It's an action response. Have mercy on those who who are trapped in sin. But I think this is very interesting how he says it. He says at the end of that verse, you can read it for yourself, have mercy on those who are trapped in sin, but with, did anybody catch it? But with fear but with fear. Why would Jude say, have mercy on those who are trapped? In other words, be at a place where you can show them the love of Christ, but do it with fear. Why? Can I tell you why? Okay, I will. Here's why. Because often when we have mercy on someone who's trapped in sin, instead of us drawing them out of the sin that they're in, what happens? We get drawn into the place that they are. And you knew that. Because the end of it, he says, because their garments are defiled, stay away from those defiled garments. The picture is this. Let me tell you, I did an emergency course a long time ago now on saving someone who was drowning. And when I took the course, the instructor said this. First of all, when someone is drowning, if, if you can, the first and foremost thing that you should do is find something, a life ring or something like that, that you can toss to them, that you can give to them. If you can't do that and you're in the water with them, do not approach them from the front. You got it. Why? Anybody know? They will drown you. The reason is, is because they're in panic mode. They're going down. They might be going down for the fourth or the fifth time. And when you get close to them from the front and they see you, immediately you're their hope. And so they grab you and they pull on you and you both go down. And so our instructor said, you try to get behind them and come up behind them and grab them even around the throat. Under the arms is better. But around the throat if you need to. But you don't come from the front. That's the picture that Judah's saying. Judah's saying, look, yes, you want to have mercy on those who are caught in sin, those who are trapped in sin. You want to come and you want to help them, help draw them out of the position that they're in. But be careful when you do it. Because you're not the Savior. Jesus is. You're not the one who can save them. The Holy Spirit is the one who can draw them out of that sin that they're found in. And so your job as a Christ follower to help those people out is to toss them the ring of Jesus Christ. To toss them the hope of the Holy Spirit. 
and help them to latch on to the Spirit of God, not onto you. So, folks, our fifth response. Our fifth response is to help those who are trapped in sin. Not with your own person, but to help them with the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jude ends this little book, and I'm going to end it. He gave five responses. Remember remember the Word of God that you were taught. Get into the Word of God for yourself. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Wait expectantly on God. And then reach out to help those who are trapped in sin. But he ends with a benediction, and I love this benediction. And this benediction leads us really right into communion. See, the benediction that he gives is he points us all the way back, and he says, remember, look, remember where I started. It was about, what did he want to talk about? Remember the very beginning? What did he, he wanted to talk about what? Salvation, a life in Jesus Christ, a hope that's found in Jesus Christ. But I had to give you a warning. There are those who are creeping in to draw you away from truth. But I want to end, I want to finish it with you looking at Jesus Christ. Because if you're looking at Christ, you'll see those who are, who are drawing you away from truth. If you look at Christ, if you keep your eyes on Christ, then you'll know the truth and you won't creep away. And so he ends with this benediction. And here it is in verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to protect you. Oh, I love that. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory. Without blemish. And with great joy. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Now to him who is able to keep his hand of protection on you, Jesus Christ. The one who can hold you in His glory. The one who can present you to the Father. Hey, by the way, you can't do this. Only He can. The one who can present you to the Father. Perfect. I thought I was perfect one time. I wasn't. We all have sin, right? We all have blemishes. We have flaws. But Jesus Christ presents us to the Father without blemish and completely perfect to that one, he says. And with great joy, the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty and power and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's what that means. Amen means praise the Lord. And what Jude is saying here is, look, I wanted to talk to you about salvation. I had to warn you about the creepers. But I want you to finish by looking at Jesus Christ, the one who can keep you, the one who purifies you, the one who makes you whole, the one who presents you before his Father with hope and with healing and with forgiveness. And that, folks, is why we celebrate communion. Why? Because Christ, God, God himself chose to come in a human form on this earth to walk and live out life in every aspect that we live out life, to live it in perfection, to go to the cross as a perfect sacrifice for the payment of sin that we, that I could not pay on my own. And he shed his perfect, precious blood on that cross And three days later, he defeated hell. 
and he defeated death and he rose again, the only one who's ever done that, the only one who ever will, and he is seated at this moment at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me as Christ followers. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin so that you could be made right with your heavenly Father, your Creator, God the Father. Paul said this when he came to communion. He said, For I pass on to you what I've received from the Lord. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And when he broke the pieces, he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took a cup of wine after supper and saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as oft as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes. We're going to celebrate communion together this morning. And as the band sings, I'm going to invite you, if you're a Christ follower, to go ahead and take that little wafer that's on the top and that cup that's there. And I want you to remember what Jesus Christ did on your behalf. That he shed his blood, his, his body was broken, and his blood was shed to pay the price for our sin. And when we take communion, nothing special happens with that. All it is, is it's a symbol of what Christ did for us. It's a reminder to us. And he tells us, Paul tells us there in 1 Corinthians, remember often what Christ did for you. Don't forget. Why? So you don't creep away. So you don't make up your own truth. So you don't live a lie. Remember often what Christ did for you. If you're a Christ follower here, we invite you to join us as we take communion together. You may want to bow for a moment. And if there's something between you and God that you haven't dealt with, you need to do that. You need to ask for His forgiveness. You need to make that right with God before you go ahead and take communion. Because communion is, an, is, is thankfulness for the forgiveness that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. And we get to celebrate that together as believers. Would you bow with me as we get ready to do that? Father, thank you so much. Thank you for this book of Jude. Thank you for the warning. But thank you for the reminder that we have hope in Jesus Christ in a relationship with Him. Thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ, His willingness to go to the cross, His willingness to have His body broken and His blood shed for me, for my, to pay the price for my sin. Thank You. And for the sins of this church and really the church worldwide, thank You so much that You did it for all mankind. God, as we celebrate communion, draw our hearts and our minds into Remind us of all that you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross that we could be reconnected through your son to you. You are so holy. You are so good. And we are so thankful. Help us to walk in your, in your light. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everyone. Have a really great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.